everybody, how's it going? Good morning. God, thank you for today. Thank you for all the blessings in our lives, especially this blessing of a life. Give us the strength and the wisdom and the peace to use it for you and your glory, for that is when we are the most fulfilled to doing your will in our lives. Thank you for this opportunity for us to come together and fellowship with one another and be encouraged by one another in the truth of your sovereignty. Amen.
Amen. We serve a holy, holy, holy God, don't we? Totally awesome. Well, if you're visiting with us today, welcome to Friends Church. Uh, you're catching us in week three, I guess, of the Lord's Prayer series. The Lord's going to be speaking today. But we've got a few announcements. Um, class 101, which is our introductory class to the church, if you want to know where we're going, uh, our focus, our vision for where we're heading in this season. Uh, next week, Class 101 is going to be happening uh, in the hallway down there. You can sign up for the class at the meet and greet table. They can give you more information. But if you just want to plug in deeper to what we're doing as a body and just hear a little bit more of who we are as a church, meet the staff, then we welcome you to come. There's always child care and lunch provided for that class. So check that out. And then also... March 13th and 14th, uh, we're going to bring Laugh Your Way back up, which is a marriage seminar we did a couple years ago. Mark Gungor is coming up, and it's a really funny uh, couple days just to come with your spouse and just have a time just together to laugh and encourage one another and just talk about marriage. We can all use help on that. So we want to encourage you guys, if you haven't been to it, then come check it out. The ones that have, invite your friends. Um, we went to it a couple years ago, and it was super, we just had a blast. We brought some of our friends with us and really, really enjoyed the time here. So tickets are available for that out in the Cove. We're going to be showing some videos in the next couple of weeks if you've never seen anything about it to give you an idea of what it is. Um, tickets are 35 bucks. Last year, we had, or two years ago, we had almost 600 people here, I think. So it was a pretty awesome turnout, and it was just really fun uh, one night and a day. So it's just a really cool thing to do. Um, one thing I wanted to know is that we're going to do baptism today. If you didn't sign up but you want to join us at the front, I'm going to be baptizing at the end of the service today. So uh, I can baptize you in, in your clothes if you want, <laughs> if you didn't bring uh, shorts. But we just want to keep that open for you. But at this time, we're just going to stand and greet one another, dismiss the kids to Kids Church, and we will be back in just...
Good morning, Friends Church. Glad to see you all made it 45 below or whatever it is right now. I was looking in the early service. It said it was 45, and then I looked again, and it was 47. So I think you all, when you get to heaven, you're going you're gonna to look at that big Olympic-sized swimming pool, and you'll wonder, where did that come from? Well, that was that day you made it to church. It was 47 below zero. Um, okay. Somebody took my water. I might need some water up here eventually. Oh, thank you. You know, I was sitting over there and I was I was sitting there and I was thinking, why is this is this have to be on right now, you guys? We're not gonna use this for a little while. It's really blinding. Um anyway, I was sitting over there and I was sitting there thinking, you know, I'm hungry. And then I looked at this pulpit and this is pretty sparse accommodations here. You know, really what we need here is a pulpit that has a little mini fridge and a microwave in case I need a snack. So anyway, okay, offering. Um, You guys ready? Amen. Father, thank you for the prosperity that we enjoy and all the provision that comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and our provider. And Lord, I pray that as um, your people give this morning, you will indeed take note of them and you will bless them and you will cause them to prosper in all that they do and that, God, this will be seen as an investment in your kingdom and in the word of God and you will, you will prosper them accordingly in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this morning we're going to continue in the series um, on the Lord's Prayer. And my assignment is um, the second uh, verse here. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, I could entitle this message, Preparation for Revival. And I think you'll understand uh, what I mean by that as uh, we get into this. But I think one of the greatest hindrances to revival and that's on a personal level, a corporate level, is the, is the assumption that we have experienced pretty much all that is possible. In other words, there's no expectation beyond what we've already experienced. And I really find that is especially true of people who have sort of come to the Lord and walk with the Lord for a little while, and then they sort of drift away. And it's really difficult to get across to them that whatever level of relationship and experience they had in God, it's difficult for them to understand and for me to communicate to them that your whole thing, you were just scratching the surface. And that's why it wasn't that, you know, great to you and you didn't continue walking with God because you really didn't ever really have the experience and the encounter with Jesus and the ongoing relationship 
really never was that fully developed in the first place. And that may be the condition of some of you here today. But I hope that through this message, you will be given um, the ability or the tools to see or the, the means by which you can begin to develop a greater and deeper relationship with God. Um, as I was looking at this uh, first couple verses especially, um, I realized the more that I looked at it, the more I realized that you could easily just read this and, and, and think, well, you know, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and sort of skim over it and just uh, let it be what it seems to be as you just casually read it. But upon closer inspection, I began to realize the incredible wealth and depth of these words. Uh, For example, our Father. It's not just my Father, but it's our Father. And it's it's not God, it's not like as I think Eric would point it out, it's it's not just the, the God that has been revealed through all the Old Testament and up to the time of Jesus, but it's way beyond that because what this means is that he is our father means that we are sons and daughters of God. And I believe that to understand fully what that means to be a son or daughter of God is really the highest revelation of who you are. And then it says, for us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is really the highest purpose for which we could exist on this planet. It is deep. It is vast. It is very profound. And what it means is that here we have a teaching on prayer. And it is sons and daughters praying and in relationship and connection with the Heavenly Father. And so prayer then becomes the conduit of his kingdom coming to earth and his will being accomplished on earth as it is in heaven. There is no higher purpose for our existence. And there is no greater call than to be sons and daughters in prayer to our heavenly father. As I was reading this, um, all the verses on the kingdom of God and so forth, um, I came across one in Acts chapter 28 where it says that Paul stayed two full years in his own rented quarters 
and was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I was studying all of this, I realized that I really don't know much about the kingdom of God. But when I read these verses, I realized there must be much more that I don't understand. And there must be a vast expanse of of downloadable revelation and knowledge that we can receive. And I think it's incumbent upon us as we read this prayer, as we begin to exercise ourselves in this prayer, that we pray for an understanding, for a divine revelation of God showing us on earth what his kingdom is and to begin to understand his kingdom and begin to make meaningful prayer that his kingdom would come to Fairbanks, Alaska and to Friends Church and that his kingdom would be received by each one of us individually and expanded as we go on in our walk with God. So if Paul prayed for two full, or if Paul taught and preached for two full years on the kingdom of God, then, then we know that there is a great deal to be learned and understood about it. In Matthew 13, 11, it says that to you, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. So God has granted us this ongoing unfolding and understanding of the kingdom of God that we might know the mysteries of the kingdom because the kingdom is mysterious and really cannot be understood with the natural mind as, as the rest of scripture as well. But In particular, Jesus says that there are mysteries involved with the kingdom. In John 18, uh, verse 36, he was talking with Pilate and he said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were of this world, then my servants would fight to, you know, against the Jews who were trying to take me. But As it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. So the kingdom in itself is beyond the natural realm. The kingdom of God's origin is from heaven, not from earth. And Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God. In fact, he said repeatedly, the kingdom of God is at hand. And in my understanding, what he was saying was, the, I, I, am in, I am in possession of this kingdom, and I am demonstrating this kingdom, and I am preaching about this kingdom, and there will come a point when you will receive the kingdom as well. And he told Nicodemus, he said, unless you are born again, you cannot see, nor can you enter the kingdom of God. So therefore, it makes sense that and the Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2, 
that the kingdom then was in reality they had received that kingdom, that the kingdom of God was then not at hand any longer, but that they were they were they had received to a certain degree. They had they were seeing it, they were experiencing it through the Holy Spirit. When I was as I was studying this, it says that as I as I mentioned that we can see the kingdom of God. And that is something in which we can enter. It also says that we are to receive the kingdom of God. And that it is our inheritance. And then even as in in this prayer, that the kingdom can come. So the kingdom is here now. And yet greater there can be a greater expression, a greater manifestation, a greater encounter and experience and an entering into the kingdom. So even though the kingdom has come, yet at the same time, we can still pray, let your kingdom come even further. Let your kingdom come to Fairbanks, Alaska. Let your kingdom come to the churches of Fairbanks. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It also says that the kingdom of God is within you. If you would imagine your imagine within yourself a castle and, and an expanse, a great estate, and fields of orchards and fields of various crops. Much of the, many of the parables of Jesus were organized around this thought. For example, the parable of the sower, where it talks about it, the, the, that the, the seed was the word of the kingdom. And if it was received into good soil, it would ultimately produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. In Matthew 13, 44, it says, The kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a, in a field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So the kingdom of God can be viewed as an incredible treasure. And yet it's hidden. And yet we're encouraged to seek it. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. So we can seek and we can be like this man. We can find. And when we find it, from joy... In other words, our hearts will be filled with joy when we find the treasure, when we see the treasure, when we begin to experience and enter into the treasure that God has preserved for us, that God has intended for us, of which we are heirs, even joint heirs with Jesus Christ. For the, all the kingdom and even this world was promised to Christ. 
It says that all the promises were, were, were met for the seed of Abraham, which is Christ. Not seeds, but seed, which is Christ. But in Romans 8, it says that we, being in Christ, are joint heirs with him. The thing of it is, is that when you begin to see the kingdom, when you begin to understand it, when you begin to experience and enter into it, it, it it's, it's an incredible joy to your heart. And the natural response is to sell everything you have. How many of you would give me $5,000 for this watch? I don't see any hands. But if I could prove, if I had documented proof that on the back of this watch it says from Priscilla to Elvis on your 30th birthday and you knew that you could sell this on eBay tomorrow for like 150000 I would get a lot of offers. And, and that's the way it is with the kingdom. When you see the value, you can be, you can, it, it is all around us. And yet, we don't encounter, we don't see. But once we do see, then it becomes the most valuable thing that we could have. And we begin to pursue it. And if you today are listening to me and you do not have a great passion in your heart or a zeal for God and for His kingdom, then it naturally stands to reason that you have not yet seen the treasure. And so if we do see the treasure, we will be sold out for Jesus. We will be full of passion and zeal. We will be on fire because the joy of God will fill our hearts. It says in Mark 4.22 that there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret that it should come to light. In other words, all the secrets of God, all the mysteries of the kingdom, although hidden maybe for a certain period of time, are available. And in that he says, we have been granted to know these mysteries, it is incumbent upon us to pray and to say, God, reveal your kingdom to me. Show me, God. Open it up to my understanding. Give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation that I might see the treasure. Because once we see the treasure, we won't have to exhort one another to live for Jesus or to follow hard after God or to pray or anything else. It'll be there. In Luke 4, 18 and 19, Jesus was preaching the kingdom of God. He preached the superiority, the authority, 
the productivity, the abundance, and the dominion of the kingdom of God. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set, it, to set free those who are oppressed, to preach the favorable year of the Lord, the year of the cancellations of our debt and the forgiveness of our sins and the cleansing of the blood of Jesus that we might have peace with God and the peace of God and that we might receive through His unmerited favor and grace the gift of righteousness and the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus preached. And it says in Acts 10.38 that God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. He said that if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom has come to you. He said that it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He said that the kingdom, or Paul said, the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Peter talked about that. He said, it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. So the kingdom of God is something that we receive, but it is also something that we minister as heirs of God. And I believe, I'm convinced that the kingdom of God comes through intimacy with God our Father. And I was, I was driving um, into town yesterday, and I had this thought come to me, you know, if I died right now and I stood face to face with Jesus, I thought, the first thing I would do, at least this is what I'm inclined to do, sitting in my truck driving into town, the first thing that I would do is apologize for the lack of depth of my relationship with God. We're only on this planet for a few minutes. We need to lay aside every distraction and make our lives totally consumed and with God and with his kingdom and his will and give him our whole hearts. I got a call this weekend from a friend of mine, close friend of mine, and this is a guy who has struggled his whole life with work and finances and this sort of thing. And, uh, and yet now he's finally reached a, a state in his life and he's gotten a job uh, in a kind of a corporate situation and he's just going to the top. 
and he's making more money than he's ever had, than he's ever made before. He's got more potential to increase all the more than ever before. And um, he's a he's a bright guy, and I'm really surprised that it hadn't happened even before this. But he's one of those former Christians. I mean, he's he's still a Christian. He's still God's son, but he's walked away from God. He hasn't he doesn't come to church. Um, had an experience with God, but just never really not much became of it. And he called me up and he said, he said, well, I've got all this and he explained his situation and then he said, but I'm miserable and lonely. And I, he told me that he had just recently purchased an eight ball and I really didn't know what an eight ball was. And then he told me it's, it's an eighth of an ounce of cocaine. And what I told him was this. I said, okay, listen. I'll call him John. I said, John, listen. Here's what you need to do. You need to get in a quiet place, turn off the radio, turn off the TV, turn off your music, and just sit and quiet yourself before God and and be as brutally and as totally honest with him as you possibly can and explain your entire situation. If there's obvious sins in your life that are an issue and concern to you, then bring them out. Bring out everything out in the open. All of it. And once you've finished that part of your transparency with God, then I want you to start talking to him about your dreams. And let him talk to you about his dreams. And that's what we have to do to begin to develop our intimacy with God. God, above everything else, wants to hear your heart. And so often, our lives are just consumed with reaching for things and trying to organize our circumstances and thinking that, especially like at this time of year, well, if I just move to Florida, I'll be happy. But you might be thinking, well, if I just divorce my spouse, then I'll be happy. Or if I just could get this position or this job, then I'll be happy. Or all the things that we pray on our huge laundry list of stuff. But there's something that needs to come before all that. And that is just your heart to heart, open talking and waiting long enough to hear God speak to you. Because His sheep know his voice and he wants to believe it or not actually fellowship with you Jesus said if any man will hear my voice 
it, he's, he's standing at the door knocking, and if any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and I will sup with him and he with me. It's like a banquet. And I'm telling you that God is there, and he's available, and he's your father. And you know, it would break my heart if, I'm sorry, but it would break my heart if my sons only came to me and spoke with me when they needed money. And I know many of you have children, and and what would that mean to you? I mean, it wouldn't be much of a relationship. And that's the way that's the way God feels about you today. He loves you so much and he wants you to know him. And you have to reveal yourself to him. You have to invite him in and you have to take time. You have to stop. Get off that get off that hamster wheel and wait. And say, God, I need your presence and I need to hear your voice and and I need to, the Lord was preaching, and I need to see the treasure, Lord. Um, I think it's in your notes. 1 John 2, 15 and 16 is a super, incredibly profound passage of Scripture. And... I'm bringing this up because um, I believe one of the biggest, most primary obstructions to your personal revival with God and revival in Friends Church and revival in Fairbanks, Alaska is something that we willingly pursue that actually obstructs his kingdom coming and his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's right here in this verse in 1 John where it says, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And if you come to my 301 class, I will fully develop this idea that the world is a system. It's not just a compilation of a bunch of people saved and unsaved and it just kind of happens. No, 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 no. It is designed, it has been designed, constructed, and is currently managed by the kingdom of darkness. In 1 John 5.19 it says the whole world lies in the power of the wicked one. In other words, the whole world lies under the influence of of the kingdom of darkness. It talks about in Ephesians chapter 2 that prior to coming to Christ, we walked according to the course of this world. It's according to the plan of the kingdom of darkness. And we walked according to that plan and that purpose. 
and the system tells you what you need to be, how you need to look, what you need to have, and what you need to do to be significant and valued. It's like it's like Morpheus when uh, in the movie The Matrix he's talking to his friend Neo and he says the world has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. And Neo says what truth? That you are a slave. And if you don't understand this concept that's being presented here that if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him, then you are a slave. Because you are either going to be filled, you are going to be satisfied with the love of the Father, or you are then therefore going to love the world and pursue the things of the world. And that's exactly what my friend was doing. He had a, an experience with Jesus, but he never entered into that place where he opened the door and Jesus came in and sat and fellowshiped and had dinner together with him. And so therefore he was in a love deficit. And that's what the entire world is in. It is in a huge love deficit being separated from the Father. And Jesus prayed and he said, he said, I pray that, he's praying to the Father and he's saying, Father, I pray that the love with which you have loved me may be in them. So it's not a matter of love deficit, your love for the Father, because we don't have that within us. But what happens is he puts his love in us and then we have the love of the Father. It's his love for us. And it causes us to love him and to love Jesus and to pursue the things of God because the presence of God becomes everything to us. And when Paul says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy, that's what we experience as we come into that fellowship, as we come into that intimacy with God our Father. We begin to experience that element of the kingdom, that peace of God, peace with God, and peace of God through Christ and joy. And once we have joy, we have it all. We don't need the world. We don't desire the world. I don't, you know, I, I told my friend that after he went on and on and on about all his troubles and all his struggles and everything, and, and then I said, I said, man, I, I mean, after listening to you, I'm ready for some of that eight ball. But, that, okay, that's a joke. I'm not, I, <laughs> you're looking at me like, really? Wow. 
kind of nullified your whole message there, Floyd. No, no, I don't. I'm not tempted with drugs. I'm not tempted with pornography. I'm not tempted with these things because I'm satisfied. Because I'm walking in the love of the Father. I don't, I don't need to be up here. I don't need this job. I mean, I honestly can tell you, I believe that if you were, if I were to be put in solitary confinement, and hopefully you have a Bible, but even without, I mean, I would be happy. Because God is making me happy. I have his joy. And you can have his joy too. And I don't care what your circumstances are. You need the joy and the peace of God in you. And the love of the Father. Okay, now we've never done this before, but we're going to try something new here. Because I like, I like working with a board like this. I got it, thanks. Can you see up there? It's not. Oh, we can turn that light on. There we go. Oh, man. Glory to God. Might work. Can you see? I mean, I can't see very well from here. Is that visible on there? And some of you can see it here. You guys are going to have to work with that, I guess. Uh, But this, this whole drama that we're all a part of all began in the Garden of Eden, and there was an enormous event that took place there. And what this symbolizes, and, and, and this is what I do all through my Bible. I get these symbols that mean something to me, and then when I find other verses or sections of Scripture that have to do with that, then I put that little symbol in, in the margin of my Bible, and man, it starts to really come together. So what this represents is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, okay? And as a result of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, we ended, we, we, the, the result was a scale, okay? And so we would have good up here and evil down here. How's that looking? How am I looking? That's what's important. <laughs> It doesn't matter if this makes any sense to you. It's whether I look good. You know, that's what's important. Okay. So, so what happened was because, of the, because they, they disobeyed God and partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, a scale then uh, came into existence which required, which necessitated performance. Okay? And performance then eventually evolved into a world system which is represented by this pyramid, okay? And in this world system, there is superior and inferior, okay? Inferior being the bottom, and as you rise to the top, you notice it becomes narrower, obviously. And so... The pyramid represents your position, your rank, your superiority, or your inferiority. And hopefully it's your, your, you know, each level you keep moving up here, and eventually 
wherever you are, whether you, wherever you see yourself, I should say, determines your value, significance, and worth. And then ultimately, your identity. And this system, this is a system, and this system is this whole world system ultimately is a system of slavery. And let me explain to you what I mean by that. Since the Garden of Eden, since this event right here, we have been immersed in a performance-based value system. And we are valued, we're valued and we're esteemed for our talents, well, many different categories, but for our talents, our abilities, beauty, skills, leadership, giftedness, education or intelligence, expertise, athleticism, how much money you make, how much money you have, what you possess, all these things. And based on your performance then, determines your worth and your value. Now here's how it works. The greater the ability, the greater the giftedness, the greater the talent, whatever, the greater the beauty that you possess, the greater the amount of money that you have, the greater the world recognizes you. In other words, they applaud you. They esteem you. They admire you. And so the greater the recognition, and this is the key, the greater the intoxication. Because it's so weird that when, if I were to give a magnificent message, and then the next day I get a phone call, and the person on the other end of the line is going, oh my goodness, Floyd, you just rocked my world yesterday. You were amazing. You were so anointed. Your word was like crystal clear. It was like the dew, you know, on the ground is just, you know, flourishing and productive and amazing and on and on. While they're saying all this, I'm getting, I'm sitting there listening to the, on the phone and there's, there's the weirdest thing is taking place because something like, there are these chemicals in my brain and, and this dopamine or whatever it is is released. And I am, I get this pop. And this pop is like, I'm high. I'm on drugs. I really am feeling good about this. And, and so it's, a, it's an intoxication. And it's what the world offers us in place of the love of the Father. And it's, and it's an addictive drug. And, and we're high. We get this, you know, we get this pop. 
And so I have to, you know, I have to work with Brian, Brian Bennett. And so, you know, he'll get up here and he'll, he'll give a good message and then he'll get a bunch of feedback and it's all wonderful. And, and if I'm standing there and I'm listening to somebody praise him, then I have to go over and, and we have this little thing that we do. And it's, it's funny, but it's also kind of serious. But it, it's, it's, it's kind of modeled after the Chronicles of Narnia when the witch was feeding Edmund those little um, powdered sugar uh, pastries. And, and yeah, and that's it. And so, and, and, and they were called Turkish Delights. And so when I hear, when I see his head beginning to swell like this, I'll go, Brian, Brian, you got a little clean that. Uh, Turkish Delights. And, but, but on a serious note, that's what all of this ends up being and what this is all about, all of this significance and value and everything else is what we crave. And so if we don't have the love of the Father, we love the world, we love the adulation, we love the admir- admiration that, we, that, we, that we, uh, we seek after, we begin to pursue it, and we can pursue it in so many ways. I mean, you women, you buy a new pair of shoes and you get this mm-mm feeling, you know? And you think about where you how I'm how am I going to look in that Mercedes? Wow! And so there's all of these things that we pursue because we need that little pop, we need that little eight ball going on, and and so then what happens? It restricts, it hinders the kingdom of God because your heart is going after these things. And you're getting these momentary pops, but they never last. And the only way to keep them going is keep notching your way up the pyramid. And so today, and I'm receiving this message just as much as anybody in here. Today we are giving ourselves an alternative and we're, we're looking at the two sides of this particular coin and issue But I want you to know that the scriptures are replete with what I am describing to you. You just maybe don't see it. But after you start looking at this, and if you take notes on this and you get the idea of this, then you start to see it all through the scriptures. In fact, the entire book of Galatians has to do with what I'm describing to you right here. And large portions of other books, like 1 Corinthians, is all about this. When the... Well, let me... Let me just say this. 1 Corinthians... Or, I'm sorry, Galatians 1, 13. This is Paul. For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries. See, Paul was comparing, he was competing, and he was advancing in the religious arm of the system. That's where he was at. And he was pursuing it and, and if anyone or any group opposed that system, he was defending it. And he was seeking to destroy those who were 
who were in, in, in basic, and basically were dismantling the system. Because when you're invested in the system, you want to succeed. You want, to, you want your position. You want your rank. You want your superiority. And you don't want to give it back. And so what do you enjoy? Oh, man, I love that red carpet during the Oscars and those, all those photos are being taken of me. And people all over the world admire me and want to be where I am and maybe even be me. They wish they were me. And there's this high because I'm getting $50 million a movie. And I'm the biggest thing on the planet in the entertainment world. So many things. We, we live in this rank position Superiority, inferiority all the time. And I want to give you some examples very quickly and then we're going to close. Think of superior, superiority, inferiority. Doctor, bus driver, family practice, brain surgeon, Miss Alaska, Miss America, high school diploma, masters, sergeant, colonel, teacher, professor, KTVF, NBC. And I had to include Seahawks, Patriots. <laughs> I know most of people, most of you probably wore a, a donut around your neck after that game. So, so let me finish by saying this. Uh, in Matthew 23... Jesus was talking about this and he said, he was talking about the Pharisees and he said, they do all their deeds to be noticed by men. They love the place of honor at banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues and the respectful greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by men. Pop, I'm high, I'm on drugs, I'm intoxicated, I love it because I don't have the love of the Father. But Jesus said, unless you become converted, and, and be like little children. You will not enter the kingdom of God. Whoever humbles himself as a child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Find the treasure hidden in the field and and. Once you've found it, sell everything you have. Give yourself wholeheartedly to God and to His kingdom. Renew your mind. Be filled with the knowledge of not only the system of this world, but also the alternative, the love of the Father, the kingdom of God. And His will will be done. And His kingdom will come in Fairbanks as it is in heaven. And my last thought is Paul. This is Paul's experience. First of all, he was, he was competing. He was comparing, competing, and, and achieving, and advancing. And then at the end, he said, may, I, may it never be that I should boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Profound statement from Paul. Okay, that's my message. Um, we're going to have now a water baptism.
which in fact, if, if you look at it, a water baptism is, is, is where we have been here and now we're going here, kingdom of God. And um, we're going to call up uh, Brian the Baptist. There he is right now. Yeah. Love you guys. Thank you. money so we're all on the same channel here so thank you floyd uh today we're doing our water baptism and if there's anybody else who wants to get in please you know come on down it's i know it's nice this water this water's warm and it's cold outside so just wanted to read a little bit of scripture and then we'll we'll get on with it get to the right scripture wrong bible open there from uh, Matthew chapter 3 John says I baptize you with water for repentance but after me comes one who is more powerful than I whose sandals I am not worthy to carry he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire his winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with the unquenchable fire then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to be baptized by John but John said to him, no, hey, wait, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? And Jesus replied, let it be now. So now it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented and was baptized. Crystal, real quickly, why is it that you come to be baptized today? Well, I gave my life back to God about eight years ago, and I've been wanting to get baptized for a while. And... I'm about to have my fourth baby girl, and I just know it's the right thing to do. But I can go deeper in the kingdom. I can testify that I've already been blessed. Like, I, my life is so good. I live in God's favor every day, and I'm so grateful. But it never stops, and it's not just for me. It's for my children, because this will sanctify not just me, but my home. Amen, Crystal. Thank you. She's getting sanctified in the cold water today. So, Crystal, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much for coming, everybody. We'll see you next week. Have a great week.
questions or need prayer, there's people right in front of the stage there. We'll help you out.